0: you doing, people? Welcome to the show. So this is Michelle Clark's song, More Than Conquerors. And I want you to let this flow over your heart right now, okay? me a Amber share this out, too. Okay, if you don't mind.
1: Faith we carry on, we have faced the fight Between wrong and right, not by power or might His Spirit makes us strong And we stand, though all hell rage against us May We prevail in, in the name of Jesus
0: Jesus. Yeah, I got an amen, huh? Amen, people. Open up to Romans chapter eight. We're gonna look at that in a mere moment here. Isn't that vocal, man? Mm-hmm. I send to you people um, wait a minute I, I send that to you my morning group in particular that was dedicated to you people people so I want to shut off my music here so it doesn't do anything and mute anything so that no other stuff does this <laughs> anyway hey everybody welcome to the show I'm glad you're here I am your sweet and lovable host Stacy Lynn Harp, and um, hey, you know what? Just want to say hi. hi. Hope you're doing good. Um, we are going to look at some news tonight, and before we do that, however, I I want to remind you that Heart Tug International and Bible News Radio is a nonprofit and we are listener-supported, and we need your support. Um, If you like what we do, if you're somebody who participates in what we do, whether it's here on the show or behind the scenes when we're doing other things, um, we really, really, really need your support. One of the things I want you to prayerfully consider is becoming a monthly pillar of our community. Um, And all that is is somebody who just dedicates something To donate to us once a month that way randall and i can have a budget and we can begin to expand the show because a lot of people have asked me hey how come you're not on radio how come you're not on this platform how come you're not over there and it's because we need money to do that and unless we get money we can't do it and so you can help us expand and uh, the way you can do that is if you go to biblenewsradio.com forward slash give you can set up a recurring donation over there Uh, using PayPal, um, or if you want to do what some of my other friends do, you can also uh, send a check through the mail, and our address is also on there as well. So we want you to consider that, and tell your friends, and just thank you in advance for everything that you can do. Okay, so here now is what we're going to look at. We're going to look at Romans for a minute, and then uh, I am going to share with you some... News. There's a lot of good news, and I don't want to be one of those Christian shows that's like always giving you bad news. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, no. Just don't want to be that show. Um, it would be really easy because bad news, if it bleeds, it leads. You know what I'm saying? Unless if it bleeds Jesus. If it bleeds Jesus, then yeah, let's let's hide it. <laughs> that's what the world says, but. um But anyway, I want to read you this passage here from Romans, beginning in verse uh, 26. Um, The Word of God says, Now in the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who are loved, to those rather who love God, and to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to purpose the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters and these whom he predestined he also called and these whom he called he also justified and these whom he justified he also glorified what then shall we say to these things if god is for us who is against us he who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring charges against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Jesus Christ is he who died, but rather was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, or trouble, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Just as it is written, For your sake we are killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know, this week, as I've been reading through the book of uh, Deuteronomy in my time in the Word uh, with my with God Time Together people. Um, one of the things that stood out to me in Deuteronomy is the phrase, the Lord my God. And I was sharing with my friends that um, that literally one day, I think I read it at least 50 times. And I'm not exaggerating. I, I read like three or four chapters. And in there, it was the Lord my God, the Lord my God. The lord my god and don't forget the lord your god the lord my god <laughs> the lord your god and the lord your god said this and the lord your god said that and your lord god said this 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 and this and and i thought huh i wonder if the scribe who wrote this got sick of writing that out the lord your god but then as especially I, uh... as i thought about it i i will say however one one of the things that you know i thought was you know what what if we, as believers, started using that phrase in our daily language? You know, when we're tempted to uh, gossip. You know, we all are at some point. Don't lie about it. It's true. You're just made of flesh. You you want to gossip sometimes. But when you're tempted, I wonder if you said something like, You know, I don't think this would please the Lord my God. Or I don't think this would please the Lord our God if it's another believer you're talking to. Right? Um, Randall, what were you going to say?
1: I was just going to say you mentioned about the scribe getting sick of writing <laughs> yeah. the Lord or God didn't, and um, being familiar with passages where it's Lord in all caps of course, which is the you know personal name of God some people say Yahweh some say Jehovah You know, I don't know, whatever the tra- Tetragrammaton uh, the scribes would have to get a new pen to write that is the holy name the unpronounceable name they'd have to do a a ceremonial washing as well as to get a new pen to write that so i can imagine scribe it would take quite a while to write those passages and going through several pens to
0: i can imagine uh, whoever did that had obsessive compulsive disorder
1: yeah or likely. developed it
0: yeah <laughs> i mean i know i would have i would have been like no <laughs> I just got through this whole page and now I got to start all over again. Uh, I don't think we appreciate what they did for us. But anyway, back to my point. My main point here is that what if, what if just like a while, many years ago, there there was the fad WWJD, what would Jesus do, right? We would always say that. But what, what, if, what if instead we, we started throwing into the conversation, the Lord our God, what if we thought that way? At least Think that way. Just start thinking that way. Right? Just start thinking that way. Um, I believe we could change the Christian culture. If we did that. (laughs) And I'm on a mission. To help people change. Help believers become disciples. Right? I mean. It's time to gear up you guys. I'm not kidding you. There is so much out there. Our our Brothers and sisters to the north of us in Canada are being persecuted at levels that I, I mean, I knew it was coming. That country is socialist. I have some good friends that live up there. But you know what? It's there in Canada. It's going to be coming here. It's already here in some degree. Um, And we we just need to be confident in our faith. And I'm going to tell you something. The way you become confident is by being in the word of God. Because God will give you the boldness. When you know the truth, when you know the truth, and when you're reading the word of God for yourself, you can have that confidence that you know what you're talking about. And so when you stand up, when people are like against you, um, you you can go, whatever, I don't really care. I'm like going to be like Peter and, Peter and Paul. You know what? I must obey God rather than man. Um, and it's getting to that point in our culture. Um, I will tell you. Uh, I think it was last weekend. Yeah, it was last weekend, I, and I might have shared this if I, if I did. So what? I'll share it again. Last weekend, I, I attended the Restored Hope Network conference, and uh, one of the things that I heard was testimonies of men and women who were delivered from homosexuality. Uh, one woman spoke about her journey out of being transgender for 30 years, okay? 30 years, that's a long time. 30 years living as a man because the enemy had convinced her that she was really trapped in a woman's body. Um, and Jesus came in, and I'm, I'm hoping to have her on my show actually at some point to to share an interview with her, but there is hope in Christ alone. And what I'm going to tell you Is that if you know his word if you know the gospel and you apply it and you believe it and you walk it out there's nothing that you can't overcome nothing and um, I've met people you know that 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 fits that right my own life, you know. I I mean, (laughs) you know, I didn't think I had issues. I mean, I mean, I know I have issues. Don't get me wrong here, but I thought that I had resolved a lot of my issues, you know, (laughs) and then my dad died. Mm. Oh, yeah, and, you know, the enemy, he will like to attack you at your weakest, you know, at your most vulnerable, and so you need to get in community, protect yourself spiritually, and, um, and allow yourself to have, you know, to, to be in a community where you're going to be loved on and, and, and not condemned if you make a mistake. Right. Um, and I, and I tell you that old adage about your life, you know, have your, your life is like an onion, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh my gosh, I never knew I, I had these issues still. Ah, you know, <laughs> does that come up you know but here's the thing there is good news and the first story I got to share with you this this story tickled my heart and I know I already shared it I believe I already shared this already but there is a woman with down syndrome that 10 years ago when she was 18 years old decided that she was going to handwrite the bible she, she just decided she's going to write the book she's going to handwrite the bible she's going to be that scribe that we were just talking about And I'm happy to report that she did it. She finished it. It took her a decade to copy the entire Bible by hand. Caroline uh, Campbell, 28-year-old woman from South Carolina, spent 10 years handwriting the entire Bible. I want to encourage people to write the Bible like I do. Caroline, uh, or Carolyn, I don't know. It's probably Carolyn. Carolyn said, Carolyn's mother, or maybe it's Caroline, Jennifer Campbell said, I can't even express it in words. It's true dedication, time, and structure. According to Jennifer, few people have ever done this. No one has a disability like Caroline, which makes it more special, Jennifer said. Caroline has Down syndrome, and Jennifer wants her daughter to be an example for others. Jennifer said, Caroline said, she was grateful for the support she received from her family, friends, and members of the church. Caroline Campbell, a 28-year-old woman from South Carolina Spent 10 years handwriting the entire Bible. I want to encourage people to write the Bible like I do, Caroline said. Uh, and she had, and she has a, a lot of binders of all her hard work. You see that? You see her? Isn't she cute? Oh, my God. I love people with Down syndrome. They're just so adorable. Um, and then it says here, uh, I'm trying to find it because it looks like it's, um, it says there's lots of repeats here. Yes, and what we want to put out there is that you can do it even if you have a disability, Jennifer, her mom, said. Caroline said she was grateful for the support of her family, friends, and church members. Um, and uh, and you know what? I am I am so tickled by this story. I think you guys should, I'm, I'm going to tweet that out. I seriously think y'all should go read this story, print it up, put it in your Bible, and then get to handwriting your own Bible copy. And if you're a grandmother or a mom, do it as a legacy to give it to them, to give it to your grandchildren or your children. I mean, it took her 10 years, right? So what? 10 years. 10 years goes like that. So, how, how, I don't know. I don't know. Does this, am I the only one this inspires? Randall, did this inspire you? I mean, seriously. Um.
1: Totally. I've gotten out of the habit of my Bible study. I, I used to use before, excuse me, <laughs> especially before um, all these online study tools, I, I would use these sheets with three columns for my study, uh, Bible study. And the first column was to hand copy the passage that I was studying. And mm-hmm. the middle column for making observations about it and the third column of course for application writing that out so i have written uh very many passages of the bible nowhere close to the entire bible but um yeah uh, you know the if you probably read as you were reading and um can't remember if it's exodus or deuteronomy or maybe it's Leviticus. i don't know one of those where the law is there uh that for the kings, maybe
0: the, all of the above
1: the kings were supposed to write out a copy of the law. Oh, yeah?
0: I read that today. It's in Deuteronomy.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um,
0: I just tweeted out the link on my Bible News Radio Twitter account for those of you who want to go read it and do that.
1: I mean, not the whole Bible, you know, just the, the law there, you know, the right. Law well, Moses, like just what's in Exodus pretty much. Uh, imagine if, you know, U.S. presidents were to do that, you know, to hand write out.
0: Imagine. You
1: know. Anyway. All right, let's get to this old. next
0: story. Okay, this next story has to do with an Oklahoma family that was reunited with their late mom's Bible uh, after a man finds it in his yard. And I have to tell you, okay, this is a secret prayer of me, okay? Tracy blessed you, by the way, when you sneezed. Um, <laughs> you're so sweet. Um, so many years ago, I lost the very first Bible my mom gave me. To this day, I have no idea what happened to it. I have a I I'm, I'm suspicious about it being stolen, but I missed that Bible. and I, I prayed, and I've asked God to give it back to me, um, and I don't know where it went. And <clears throat> and that's been 30 years, you know, plus that, that that happened. So I'm always fascinated when I see stories about Bibles that people are trying to locate or find, or like a Bible survives in a fire, and it's like it makes the news, and I'm always humored because it's not like the Book of Quran the Quran ever gets that publicity. Hey, the Quran survived in fire. We we care. Let's do a news article about it. But if it's the Bible, hey, then we're gonna do an article about it. <laughs> so this story here caught my eye. Um, and let's just look at it. It says here in Oklahoma man and a police officer helped reunite a family with their late mother's Bible last week after the man reportedly found it in his yard while mowing his lawn. It rained all night, so it must have uh, just been there for a little while because it wasn't wet, uh, said Terry Ward uh, in Oklahoma City. Okay, he found the Bible in his flower flower bed. Ward noticed the Bible had the name Pearl Williams in the year 1946 written inside. He told K-F-O-R his first thought was, who is Pearl Williams? Where does she live? He first contacted his local city hall, but was told they had no records by that name. Next, he reached out to the Nakoma Park Police Department, who found an address in nearby Dell City written inside the book. Uh, Nakoma Park Police Lieutenant Mike Weiss told (laughs) K-F-O-R. Sorry. Is that really the jingle? I don't know. I just thought it's funny. Uh, He contacted the Dell City Police Department and found that William's son still lives in the home. Ah, This is the kind of story that makes it nice to be a police officer, he told the station. It makes it nice to be an investigator that you can find somebody's family Bible and return it to them. William's daughter, Lisa Bennett, told the station getting the Bible back, which may have been stolen along with other items after her death, was very emotional. And there you go. You can see the picture of the Lady Pearl. Um, We lost my mom in October. She, uh, so that was hard enough, and now to find out that I have her Bible gives me part of her, she said. Bennett said her mother kept things that were important to her in the Bible, including a clipping of her wedding announcement to Bennett's father, which she found inside the heirloom. Uh, She was a big part of my life, so when I lost her, I lost a lot of her, Bennett told. (laughs) K-F-O-R. Finding little bits and pieces and keeping little pieces of her helps me rebuild that little loss in my heart. Police are investigating if the Bible and other items were stolen from her, her home after she died. Anyway, so I don't know about you, but I love that story um, because it's cool. And it also tells you, yes, Bibles are family heirlooms, right? Aren't they? You guys put your genealogy and all that other stuff in your Bible, pass it down to your kids uh, I know when my dad died, one of the first things I did was I looked in his Bible. He wasn't a marker or anything. He didn't, you know, he read it, but he never wrote in it. So I always encourage people, write a ton in your Bible. Just write stuff, write notes. Uh, one of my friends in Legal Shield, Elizabeth Gardner, uh, her husband, John uh, Gardner, passed away last year. I think it was last year. It might have been this year. I think it was last year. Um, and he was young. He was like 50, around my age. And, um, but one of the, one of the things he did was he wrote notes in his Bibles to all his kids. And, um, you know, to me, there's nothing more precious than looking at somebody's Bible and seeing what they've done with it. Um, and, uh, I just want to encourage you to do so because it really does tell you a lot about a person. Uh, and, uh, so, there you go. All right, now, let's see here. Okay, and before we get to the religious news story, I gotta tell you about this guy that got swallowed by a whale. (laughs) This is...
1: God, a whale of a tale to tell you. lies.
0: this, this, This is a legit story, too. Um, okay, so, this is on USA Today, and, um... <sighs> this is this is this is great. <laughs> Titled I Was Completely Inside, A Lobster Diver Swallowed by a Humpback Whale Off Provincetown. So it says here, a little before 8 a.m. Friday, veteran lobster diver Michael Packard entered the water for his second dive of the day. His vessel, the Ja Jaw and Jay, was off Herring Cove Beach and surrounded by a fleet of boats catching striped bass. The water temperature was a balmy 60 degrees and the visibility about 20 feet. Licensed commercial lobster divers literally pluck lobsters off the sandy bottom and as Packard, 56, dove down Friday morning, he saw schools of sand lances and stripers swimming by. I gotta scroll through the pictures here. The ocean food change chain was in full evidence but about 10 feet from the bottom Packard suddenly knew what it truly felt like to be a part of that chain and something truly biblical Packard was swallowed whole by a humpback whale <laughs> <laughs> this is so funny to me uh, <laughs> I mean it really is and what would be even funnier if the guy's name was Jonah that would be even funnier that would be so funny I would be laughing so hard <laughs> But it was Michael. But anyway, all of a sudden, I felt this huge shove, and the next thing I knew, it was completely black. Packard recalled Friday afternoon following his release from Cape Cod Hospital in in Hyannis. I could sense I was moving, and I could feel the whale squeezing with the muscles in his mouth, he said. Um... Initially, Packard thought he was inside a great white shark, but he couldn't feel any teeth and he hadn't suffered any obvious wounds. It quickly dawned on him that he had been swallowed by a whale. <laughs> I, who, Like, seriously, who would have that train of thought going on in their head? All of a sudden, poof, it's dark, and his first thought, is he's swallowed by a whale. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I I would be that probably wouldn't have been my first thought
1: well it wasn't his first thought was great white shark
0: yeah well anyway (laughs) he says here I was completely inside it was completely black I thought to myself there's no way I'm getting out of here I'm done I'm dead all I could think of was my boys they're 12 and 15 years old um Outfitted with scuba gear, he struggled, and the whale began shaking his head so that Packer could tell he didn't like it. He estimated he was in the whale for 30 to 40 seconds before the whale finally surfaced. I saw light, and he started throwing his head side to side, and the thing I knew... uh, And the next thing I knew, I was outside in the water. Uh, And anyway, and then he, you know, he went to the hospital and got checked out, obviously. But what is the likelihood... I mean, seriously, (laughs) I think this is funny because it it actually can confirm the biblical account of Jonah. You know, there's a lot of people out there who are like, well, the Bible is just a book of fairy tales and stupid stories, people being swallowed by big fishes and stuff. That can't happen, right? Right. Well, here you go. This happened, except this guy, he was only in there for 30 to 40 seconds, which begs the question, was he running from God? (laughs) Just kidding. I'm kidding about that part. I don't even know this guy's a believer. Um, But uh, I, I think it's funny because it proves that it can really happen in there. And kind of by virtue of that, it kind of validates the word of God. Uh, Bareface, what do you think? What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, of <laughs> course uh, people that would discount and diss, you know, the Bible story would say, oh, there's no way a person could survive, you know, a big fish or a whale. And big fish is probably better, you know, translation uh, mm-hmm. for, for, you know, three days and nights. And, like, you're right. No one could. That's the whole point. That's what makes miraculous is, is the death and resurrection of Jonah. And that's why Yeshua, Jesus pointed to as a sign, the sign of Jonah would be given to them sign uh by of resurrection. him Yep, yeah, sign of resurrection the sign of Jonah, the sign of resurrection but um
0: uh, that was Arnold Fruchtenbaum.
1: but it wasn't was me actually, <laughs> but a uh, poor imitation thereof. um it's
0: actually a pretty good imitation
1: <laughs> thanks um but yeah it it does show that it's the swallowing is possible. And later on in this article, it talks about when the whales feed, they've humpbacks, they've parachute out their mouth and it blocks their forward vision. So as they're going to maybe scoop up some fish, mm. they wouldn't know a man was in that school of fish. And
0: Right, makes sense.
1: And So, but,
0: wrong, so the guy was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right,
1: because <laughs> he talks about the the sand stripers or whatever swimming around him. and Yeah, so... Um, Yeah, so the Lord could easily appoint, you know, the timing that for him, you know, they throw Jonah overboard at such a time a whale is coming and feeding the area, but, or he could have just, just appointed, well, it says he appointed the fish, but he could have just called it by name even.
0: So one of my friends today uh, was talking about, she was reading through the book of Isaiah, And in the, and she noted, and she thought this, she actually thought this was funny. She noted that in the book of Isaiah, it says that God whistled for certain things, like the swarm of bees to come. He whistled for them. Anyway, we had this conversation about that. So yeah, he could have went, hey, Mr. Whale, get your butt over here. Swallow Jonah up. Just for a couple days, though, and then you know we'll have a whole Veggie Tales thing. Twenty years, you know, two hundred years from now, or two thousand years later. <laughs> anyway, uh
1: Also, an article says the same man uh, survived a plane crash ten years earlier, right? I which saw that. killed the pilot and the co-pilot, and so He was one of five surviving passengers, and so wow. Kind of, you know. Maybe, you know, God's not through with him, what, yet? You know, it goes to show that uh, it's appointed unto it's man once to, to die. Or after <laughs> and, after uh, that, the judgment. It, it, his, his appointment, you know, isn't hasn't come yet. <laughs> God's not through with him.
0: All right, so let's get to this big news story. The Supreme Court rules nine to zero, which is a big deal, because the Supreme Court never, like, agrees on anything, right? That's... <clears throat> Four, the Catholic Social Service's... They can't be forced to violate their faith. This is huge. This is the big news. And I'm going to tell you something that this story, um, uh, the reason this is a big deal is because it sets precedent. And in the law, if you have precedent, then what that means, and I'm not a lawyer, (laughs) don't even play one on TV, but I do sell legal services. Um, But what that means is when something is set in law as precedent, then, when other cases come up that are similar to it, then they go back to the law books and the, the the rulings that have been made, and they look at that law and they go, Ah, wait a minute! In this case, this is what happened. So yes, we're going to go ahead and we're going to rule this way. A nine to zero ruling for the Supreme Court is a big deal because that doesn't happen. I mean, that's it's Fair usually there. it's usually split five to four or something like that.
1: Six to three.
0: Yeah, so this is over on CBN News. It says here, The U.S. Supreme Court has ruled that Philadelphia was wrong to reject Catholic social services because the group said it wouldn't violate its religious beliefs about sexuality. The city had limited ties with the Catholic agency, which had declined to place children with same-sex couples. Okay? After all, this is LGBT Pride Month. Q. There's a Q there, too. Uh, Anyway, The court has ruled in this case, Fulton versus the City of Philadelphia, the refusal of Philadelphia to contract with CSS for the provision of foster care services unless CSS agrees to certify same-sex couples as foster parents violates the free exercise clause of the First Amendment. So this is so important because... You have the Supreme Court actually all agreeing on what the First Amendment is, right? There's a lot of people out there who are like, well, the First Amendment, you know, it's not good for you, but it is me. Um, And so that's why this is such a big deal. The city's actions burdened the CSS's religious exercise by forcing it either to curtail its mission or to certify same-sex couples as foster parents in violation of its religious beliefs, the high court ruled. Chief Justice John Roberts wrote, The refusal of Philadelphia to contract with uh, CSS for the provision of foster care services unless it agrees to certify same-sex couples as foster parents cannot survive strict strict scrutiny and violates the First Amendment. The City of Philadelphia created an issue where there wasn't one because Catholic Social Services says no same-sex couples ever asked to work with them. CSS says... If that did happen, they would refer the couple to another group. Due to its biblical beliefs, the Catholic Agency also does not certify unmarried couples. Good. First Liberty, okay, anyway. um, First Liberty Institute's President and Chief Counsel Kelly Shackelford said punishing religious organizations for acting consistently with their sincerely held religious beliefs is wrong. The court ensured that religious adoption providers can continue their centuries-old work serving families and children without suffering government discrimination because they believe that the best home for a child includes a mother and a father. This is a tremendous victory for religious liberty. And I'm going to tell you something else, too, that's tied into this indirectly. So last week, when I was at this conference, the Restored Hope Network conference, um, the Linda, Linda Seiler, I believe is her last name. She's this lady who lived as a man for 30 years. um, And she was talking about her testimony and how to minister to the transgender community. Okay. And, you know, a lot of times as believers, we get confronted by the gay activist community or another believer. And well, they might say, well, you know, don't you? Well, hey, you know what? There's so many kids that need to be adopted. Right. And and so what's it to you if two gay men want to adopt a kid? Right. I mean, at least the kids getting home. Right. They're getting two gay guys or two lesbians for for their parents. And you lame loser Christians, you're not adopting anybody. So, you know, the gay community, if they want to adopt, then they can adopt. Now, I've heard this, right? This is a big argument. Well, what Linda taught in her um, presentation was really, really good. (laughs) One of the things that she talked about was how our conscience... We have a right to not violate our conscience. Let me say that again. You have a right to not violate your conscience. I have a right to not violate my conscience, right? So what does that mean? That means that if I hold a biblical worldview on something like this, I have a right to not violate my conscience and not be bullied by a political movement That's telling me, oh, you know what? You're an intolerant, hateful, homophobic bigot, right? And worse. Or, you know what? I'm going to gag you because you're not, like, walking lockstep with what the world wants you to do. As Christians, we have a right to not violate our conscience. And here's the thing. That is so key! Because if you look at Romans chapter 1 and other passages in God's Word, one of the things that it talks about in there is a seared conscience. And it talks about how people have been um, handed over to a reprobate mind and a seared conscience. And it also talks about how those there's those who heartily approve of that, right? Now, I personally believe the people that hardly approve of things that God calls an abomination or he condemns flat out in scripture, I believe those people are they 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 can receive the same type of judgment because they're heartily approving of something God condemns. And, you know, I'll tell you one thing that I've learned in this past year is I've read through almost, you know, I've read three quarters of the Bible this year already. So And it's funny because the more I read it, the, the, the wide reading of it, the more I'm amazed at how serious God is about idols and about idol worship and about making sure that he's number one no matter what. <laughs> I was reading in Deuteronomy earlier this week, and, um, and there's a passage in there about, um, about false prophets. And it, it actually, and I'm paraphrasing this, but it basically said, hey, you know what? If you have somebody in your family, your friend circle, and they come around and they try to persuade you to follow a false god, then you need to kill them. <laughs> you just need to kill them. You flat out need to kill them. You need to put your hand to them and kill them. I mean, it, it literally says that and it's kind of, you know, how dare I say that. But the thing is, is if you look at the context and you understand the the context in which that's written specifically to Israel in particular, um, God was very serious when he was telling Israel that he is the Lord and that they need to worship the Lord, their God. He was the one true living God. Um, And they should have no other gods before him. And he did all this stuff to remind them and encourage them and say, hey, you know what? I chose you. I chose you. I chose you. If you do this, you'll be blessed. If you do this, you'll be cursed. Um, And he was very serious about sin. And in the Old Testament, homosexuality is considered an abomination. And the penalty for it was death. Now, there are people out there who I want to smack upside their head in love, of course. Um, The right hand of fellowship. Yeah, who, who will go to the Old Testament and they'll say, well, see, the Old Testament condemned homosexuals to death, so we should kill all gay people, right? And they're, you know, <sighs> and that's where I want to smack them because, yes, whereas that is true in the Old Testament, that, that is true. In the New Testament, it doesn't do that, okay? In the New Testament, we have the truth that such were some of you and that God could deliver you. And here's the other thing it's not just homosexuality that was punishable by death it was other stuff too like lying complaining you know there's there's a part in there where the 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 children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness and like they were grumbling and complaining I think it was something like fifty thousand were killed in one day boom because they were complaining and God got sick of it so <laughs> be careful <laughs> you know God has his limits so just saying but there but in the New Testament we're under grace right we, we have the law the law has not been abolished it's still there it's there to you know teach us that we you know need need him and and that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God but we're under grace in the New Testament which means that look if we screw up it's okay. If we ask God to forgive us and we repent, turn around, try to do it again, then, you know, he can help us out. Um, There's freedom there. And so getting back to this article, um, if Heart Tug International decided to, you know, uh, be a lobby group or something and somebody came to me and said, hey, you know what, I don't want you to service gay couples or whatever. Um, or, or, or you have to have gay couples on staff or, or whatever. If that would violate my conscience, I'm going to stand up for what's biblical and not violate my conscience. God doesn't want us to have a conscience that we violate. He wants us to have a pure conscience, a clean conscience, a conscience that's been sprinkled with the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all of our sin. This is a big deal. And getting back to this thing, just in case any of you care and are wondering, why is this a bad thing to have two homosexuals or two lesbians adopt children? There's so many reasons. Uh, I, I will just give you a few. Number one, a child, if they're in the foster care system or they've been adopted out, there's a reason. Right. Okay. They're already a traumatized kid. And I know this. I worked with a number of them when I was a marriage counselor. Um, And, you know, people who say, oh, well, you know, divorce doesn't impact a kid and abuse and blah, blah doesn't impact. They don't know what they're talking about. It totally impacts a child. So that kid has enough problems, first of all, being in that system. The second thing, though, is children need a mom and a dad. And our culture today is trying to tell the world that dads are unnecessary. Um, And you know what? That's one of the biggest, fattest lies of the enemy, that dads don't matter. I'm going to tell you something. Dads matter. Tell that to all the men in prison who've committed crimes because they didn't have a dad at home teaching them how to be a man. And that's the truth. Even Dennis Prager did a thing on this not too long ago on his PragerU thing. Go check it out. He actually talked about how, um, how um, a boy learns how to be a man from their dad. It's not something that they grow into, right? It's not like something that innately comes. They're modeled that. They learn how to be a man by watching their dad. If they don't have a dad... They end up in prison often, or a gang, or something like that, um, where, you know, they're trying to get what they need, and a lot of the people in the gay community, uh, homosexual community, same thing, they didn't have a dad. They had a mom, or maybe two moms, who knows at this point, or maybe they had an abusive father that wasn't loving towards them. Whatever it was, they didn't have the solid masculine role model that they needed, and so that deficit is, it's worked out in our culture. Secondly, uh, the same thing for girls. You know, a girl needs her mom. You know, there's no greater bond in the world, I personally believe, than the one that a mom has with her baby. Right? I mean, we all came out of somebody's body right? I came out of my mom's body. Yeah, I did. There I was. I was inside her and then poof, there I was. You know, there's always going to be that connection. As much as we might fight against it, or we don't like it, or it's uncomfortable, or maybe we have the great relationship with our mother. The point is, is that we have that most intimate relationship with our mom through bonding and attachment. If we don't have a good, healthy attachment with that, with that person, then there's going to be a lot of other issues. Um, And so, You know, a mom and a dad are completely necessary. You know, God isn't stupid. (laughs) You know, people like to paint God like he's some idiot or something. Like, hey, you know what? Hmm, I don't know. Like, he just came up with this idea to have a girl and a boy put together so that they can make other girls and boys and then oh and then all. but we're so good as mankind we're smarter than god so we decide hey you know what we don't need a dad over there we don't need a mom over there let's just like let's mix it up you know and and then the transgender movement on top of it is basically saying well we're not anything we're not even we're we're not either gender we're just non-binary we're not even here we're just here (laughs) you know it's the biggest attack on the image of God that Satan has done. And I tell you what, anything that violates how God created us, male and female, He created us to be in community, you can know they're straight from the pit of hell. Because Satan does not like you. He doesn't like you. He hates you. He hates humanity. And people who think that the devil is all great and that he's so smart, well, he is smart. He's diabolical. But he does not tell people the end result of the snare he's causing in their life. Right? He, he just doesn't. It's not like he goes, hey, you know, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, take, take some of this here. And then you're, you're addicted to it for the rest of your life, if it's drugs or pornography or something. Um, you know, the the reason our, our world is so screwed up, aside from the obvious that Satan is in control of it, <clears throat> and sin, is that the breakdown of the family took place 40-something years ago. The biggest part, you know, 60s and 70s, when the families decided to, dis- to uh, allow no-fault divorce and stuff like that. And that's the church's fault. Right. The church basically compromised and said, OK, we, we don't have to give a reason anymore. And, you know, one thing I will say about the Catholic Church, and I have to give them kudos on this, is that they held out for longer than the Protestant Church did. They held out. They actually gave, you know, they had rules and standards that they wanted their married couples to live by. Well, hey, you know, can you was there adultery? That's biblical, right? You can get a divorce if there's adultery. You know the number one reason for divorces, though? The number one reason for divorce is hardness of heart. Or, if you want to use the secular lingo, it's irreconcilable differences. It's hardness of heart. It's hardness of heart. You know? And Satan did good. Did a great job ripping the family unit apart. So as Christians, our goal is to model good marriages, model healthy marriages, raise godly children, keep them in the thing, and then be a refuge for those kids that unfortunately don't have the model at their home. I was one of those kids. You know, my mom was married three times. My dad, four. (laughs) Just saying. My dad, I have to give credit. Two of his wives died, you know, to death. I mean, they were. He he became a widow. Or, but my mom married three times. You know, my dad, two other guys, and my home life was totally and completely unstable. And I never had a good connection with it with a man because that instability was there, and it was like, what the heck, you know. And I and I give God the glory, and I thank Him publicly and privately often because. He came into my life when, uh, when I needed him the most, obviously, and he protected me from doing a lot of things girls in my situation would have done, you know, I didn't, I didn't go wayward. Uh, I'm one of those people that followed all of the rules. I did it right. Um, I didn't do it perfect. I did it right, you know, um, and he gave me a great husband, uh, which I think anybody with clear eyes can see because we're on here all the time talking and stuff. Occasionally, bareface gets on my nerves once in a while. But you know what? If he didn't, one of us would be unnecessary. Just saying. Mm-hmm. That's what he always tells me. So, um, so anyway, so this story is a big deal. One other story coming out of the Catholic Church, though. This is interesting. The Catholic bishops approved communion document aimed at possible rebuke of President Biden. Um, Listen to this. Uh, This was interesting. It says here, the U.S. Conference Catholic... The the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops voted overwhelmingly to draft a formal document on the meaning of the Eucharist after a contentious debate on whether President Biden and other politicians who support abortion policies are worthy of receiving communion at mass. More than 73% of the U.S. bishops casting ballots at a virtual conference this week supported tasking the U.S. CCB's Doctrine Committee to draft language on maintaining consistency with the Eucharist. A section of the document is expected to include a specific admonition to Catholic politicians and other public figures who disobey church teaching on abortion and other core doctrinal issues. The vote tally announced Friday was 168 bishops in favor and 55 opposed and six bishops were big fat cowards and abstained. Uh, anyway, up next. Uh, okay, so yeah. Well, anyway, I think this is interesting. I'm not going to read this whole thing, but I do think this is interesting um, because there has been a move in recent years in the Catholic Church to um, validate abortion as valid as something that actually goes that that's not... Contrary to what the church teaches. Well, Psalm 139 declares that we are all fearfully and wonderfully made. We're knit together in our mother's womb. Um, So abortion, not the best option, right? I mean, you know, the Bible all throughout Scripture condemns that. And it, it also affirms us. And again, abortion is one of these things that Satan instituted to kill people because he hates you because you were made in God's image. Um, and never forget that. Never forget when you're looking at somebody and you're having a communication with them that God made that person in his image. We are his image bearers throughout the world. And if the church stops validating the word of God, then get out of that church. I mean, it's that simple in my, in my mind. Um, Randall, what do you think about that story? Especially coming after Biden, which is kind of telling, actually.
1: Well, not necessarily coming after Biden, but any politician, well, any one.
0: But he's pro-abort.
1: Right. Of course, he said, when asked, he said, uh, he personally opposes abortion, but doesn't think he should impose that position on Americans feel otherwise. Yeah. But but he's not been neutral. It's like, well, <laughs> he's been approving all sorts of, you know, uh, he's taken several executive actions that have been hailed by, you know, pro-abortion activists. And so it's not like, well, if he doesn't feel that his pro-life beliefs, you know, he's against abortion, he shouldn't be, um, you know, foisted on, you know, put on other Americans who don't feel the way he does he's going to prove it by doing just the opposite, supporting legislation and executive orders that promote abortion and are applauded by all, you know, anti-life advocates and activists. It just seems, that doesn't seem consistent with me to say, well, I'm personally against abortion, but I shouldn't, I don't want to put that on the people. In fact, I'll prove it so much by giving them everything they want and approving, you know, it's... It seems like if you wanted to stay out of it, you know, I don't want to put my opinion, then you wouldn't you just take a quote neutral opinion. Hmm. And his actions have been the exact opposite of of giving abortion rights, et cetera, And undoing and, all the ones that Trump, you know, right, so, said, so. Yeah. You know, um his actions speak louder than words. Anyway, yeah. Just, so that's that's what I think of that. And if I could just put two cents, I know we're running out of time. Okay. On the previous, or about the nine to zero decision. Yeah. I mean, that is crazy because you think the only difference between the Supreme Court that was in the Overfelt versus whatever the one that you know instituted same sex marriage in all states across the United States. The only difference between that Supreme Court and the one that voted is really um, well, it's two members different, but as far as conservative and not so conservative members, it's only one plus uh, conservative members. Right. You know, so I would expect that
0: was Amy Amy Coney Barrett. Right. Who's a, a practicing Catholic, by the way. Yeah,
1: and Kavanaugh wasn't part of the court that. Approved same-sex marriage, but but the court lost a conservative member and one, and you know, lost one, gained one, but the net effect was zero change in the makeup of the Supreme Court, yeah. except for the addition of uh, ACB. Yeah. Um, well, but so one would expect. I would have expected, if anything, a six-three split instead of a five-four, which was typical in these sorts of cases. But nine-zero, nine-zero. That's yeah. That is really significant.
0: It, it's very significant. And if you guys want to hear more political legal jargon talk, then I would recommend Janet Parshall's show in the market. With Janet Parshall, she had her husband, Craig Parshall, who's a lawyer on the show today, and they, they talked about this. So you can go over to Moody Radio's, um, show and listen to that. If you want to get an actual lawyer's opinion. (laughs) And not me, because I'm not a lawyer, just so you know. Um, so, there you go. I also wanted to share one headline before we go. And that is, this is also over on CBN News. IRS denies tax-exempt status to Christian nonprofits, saying Bible teachings are affiliated with Republican beliefs.
1: Uh-huh.
0: So, yesterday, I got this article. I didn't send you this. It was this from First Liberty. Um, and actually, if you just go over to CBNNews.com, you can see the story. But basically, there's this nonprofit organization, well it's not a nonprofit. they're filing for nonprofit status. It's a it's a organization in Texas type called Christians Engaged. And this is what they're dedicated to to educate and empower Christians to pray for the nation and elect officials, vote and be civically engaged. okay So Liberty Council or Liberty First Liberty, their new name anyway they send an email to me uh, with the IRS letter denying Christians engaged their nonprofit status and their demand letter back to them and then I you know they redact a lot of stuff so I did some Google search I found out it was Christian engaged I looked up the website Christians engaged this is your homework do this uh, just Google Christians engaged you can find their website Watch the videos of the women that started this organization that's being denied a nonprofit status. Okay, for basically doing stuff I've done. You know. Now this is important. This is a hugely important story because um, if if this is if if this is the future of little organizations like this and this it's it's a backhanded way of silencing the church again Um, and that's why it needs to be paid attention to because the irs is denying a legit organization uh you know tax-exempt status now some people would argue no Christian should ever have a text, you know, a non-profit. I had a guy write me a snarky, really nasty email after I became a nonprofit unfollowed me, called me names, and told me I was sold out to the devil because Bible News Radio became a non-profit a year ago, actually. Um, and was this somebody that watches the show, really knows what we're about or anything? Not really. Anybody or whoever donated, no. Um, the point is, is God has given us uh, a brain, and if we're, <laughs> we're going to use money wisely, at least for this ministry, we need to save as much as we can because we get so little. So we're, we're working on that. Um, and so just pray for this these, these women who are bold because they're trying to make change in Texas, uh, and all they're doing is wanting people to pray and vote, and they're being denied nonprofit status seriously this is not china not yet but it's going and it's headed that way so so there you go all right well tomorrow night we'll be back with another episode of the show i want to let you know again uh, we have a podcast over on anchor.fm forward slash bible news go over there you can tune into the podcast Um, i would appreciate it if you did if you could write a review for us on itunes or if you happen to write a review here on YouTube and share this out, hit like on YouTube, uh, go over to my Facebook page and share this out somewhere because nobody can see it. I have like, I don't even know how over close to 4,000 likes on Facebook and maybe 10 people get to see it. Maybe 30 on a good day. So yeah, if you go over there, share it out, you know, that would be super good. Um, and uh, thanks. Remember Bible news radio, we, our goal is to reach the hearts people, one verse at a time, and to encourage you to be bold, to stand up, and to go, people, with God, because He loves you. We'll see you later.